With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To the other 99, a podcast to equip the church for community, discipleship, and mission. Uh, we're your hosts. My name is Guy Wimberly. I'm Bethany McFarland. And I'm David Godbold. Hey, folks, you're joining us for part three of a four part series getting into the tagline of our podcast, which is equipping the church for community, discipleship, and mission. Part one and two are focused on community, and today we're going to be jumping in to a conversation about discipleship. So buckle up, let's go. <laughs> All right, so I think we've been putting off this icebreaker for a little while because none of us could think of anything, but we're going to bite the bullet <laughs> We're today. ready tonight. And I, yes, David. I couldn't convince anybody to push it off any further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, realistically, that's how it happened. So we're going to dive into two truths and a lie. And David, since you're so eager to get this over with, why oh, don't you lovely. start us off? Love that. I was hoping to use y'all's to spark some ideas. <laughs> All right, this is this is this is what I came up with. Uh, my first concert that I ever went to live in person was Dave Matthews Band. Number two, uh, I have a baseball signed by Yogi Berra. And number three, I have a football signed by Falcons running back. Jamal Anderson from the Super Bowl team. Okay, Yogi Bear is true. Uh, what do you think about the other two, Bethany? I'm going with the football as a lie. Okay. I think, so. I, I think I'm going to go with the first one. The Dave Matthews band? Mm. How old were you? Like... No, you, no, no, you can't ask follow-up questions. That's cheating. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> D- All right, guys committed. All right. Yeah, Bethany, one. you are right. I did not have a Jamal Anderson football. I do have a Yogi Berra baseball, and my first concert when I believe I was in elementary school was Dave Matthews. <laughs> 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 All right, Guy, what are your two truths and a lie? Number one, a um, couple years ago in a faculty student game of basketball at, at the school, um, I was playing on the faculty team, and I shot at the wrong goal. Um Number two, uh, I wanted to form a Backstreet Boys cover band when I was younger. Um, number three, I met the governor of Mississippi at a state fair when I was six. All right, These are I all know, fantastic. I know number one is true. Now, are you sure? Yes, Maybe I'm I'm sure. I feel, Jordan. I feel I, pretty confident that that one's true also. I, I think want it's number, number three. I want number two to be true so bad that I'm gonna have to say number three is the lie because I, I want number I two too. to be true. Y'all are both right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Me and, so good. Me and two girls that I was in elementary school with love Backstreet Boys that so makes much. It even better. 
<laughs> we wanted to form a Backstreet Boys cover band. And I think we sang songs and practiced routines at my house. This is the greatest day. <laughs> this is so good. All right, Bethany, what's yours? All right. I have lived in six different states. The age gap between me and my closest aged cousin is seven years. Almost exactly. And my first job was working in the snack bar and pool. I want to say the states is true. She was a lifeguard. I don't know if that's going to affect how we answer the third one. Hmm. Maybe she was a snack girl and she was like, hey... Those lifeguards have an easier job than me because nobody <laughs> drowns at a city pool. Not a city pool, a country club pool. So yeah, yeah that's club. true. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go the second one because I think that little detail you added was just a little detail you added to make us, to throw us off the scent. I'm going to go with the third one just to cover the bases. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you believe the states, which is true. Um,. I never worked in snack bar at a pool. My first job was lifeguard. Yeah. Thanks, yep. guy. Yeah, you're welcome. Yep. And my cousin and I both have November birthdays, so that's why I added the detail about it being almost exactly gotcha. seven years. Oh, it's almost your birthday. It is, yeah. Or it oh, by the time this airs, it'll be yeah. like a week after. Hey, but. happy late birthday. Hey, hey. happy birthday. Thanks. Late. Thanks. And early. So let's get into the let's get into the meat. Yeah. Guys, yeah. This is all so you know. yeah. Uh, so getting into the, what we're talking about in in our last episode, we talked about community and its importance to our relationships with Christ, as well as to the overall mission of the church. And to start off our discussion on discipleship, we want to reiterate something that David talked about towards the end of the last episode. David said that, you know, it's, it's pretty unrealistic that in a, in a crowd of 200 people that you would be, you know, best buddies with all those people. And in whatever community you're a part of, there are going to be different levels of community um, with which you're involved. Deep community will not be possible with every believer. So naturally, you will experience varying levels of community. For example, the church as a whole is a community. But churches can have hundreds of members, which make rich community amongst the entire congregation impossible. Small groups are a great example of close or tight-knit communities, but even within that, there are ideally a couple of individuals with whom you could grow in deep, even deeper relationship with. And to further reiterate some of the stuff that David was talking about regarding community, um, he talks about Jesus and how we see this portrayed in his life and in his ministry. So he has the 72 who he commissions in Luke 10, the 12 disciples with whom we're all familiar with, that Jesus spent the majority of his three years of ministry in close community with. And then even amongst those 12, we see three. We see Peter, James, and John. And on multiple occasions, Jesus invites these three into even more intimate moments of his life and into deeper community than we see with the other nine. I think this is a perfect place to pick up our conversation on discipleship because discipleship is something that can and should happen in all of those arenas. I've heard it said that people need, or everybody needs, a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in his or her life. 
to kind of go into a little detail of what that means, a Paul is supposed to be someone who's ahead of you, both in life and in spiritual development, like a mentor, someone to guide us or lead us. Barnabas is supposed to be a peer, someone who we could do life with one-on-one, um, someone who's intentionally challenging us and we can intentionally challenge as well. We can grow together with one another, learning from the same types of experiences, usually in the either the same or similar phase of life or walk of life. Both of our community episodes, we go into a lot more detail about peer type relationships. We don't call it that or define it as that, but the majority of what our community discussion is focused on is this peer relationship. And again, to quote Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. This is exactly what we're getting with with the Barnabas relationship. Someone to rub elbows with and to really grow with together. And then a Timothy is the third type of person who we need in our life. This is someone who you're leading in discipleship, a mentee. Discipleship is intended to be a cyclical process where we're continuously pouring into one another and developing others. And also anyone who's ever been in a teaching type capacity knows that teaching and developing others further instills those ideas or principles or even that knowledge within yourself. So it's not only pouring into others, but it's further building and further developing your own spiritual walk. So um, I kind of want to jump in on that thought. Uh, We didn't really talk about this in pre-planning, but as, as, as Bethany was was going through that, one thing that I want to kind of talk about is 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 how we have these three kind of distinct categories, and and it's very easy to kind of want these categories to be nice, clean, compartmentalized. But but in some aspects, you're gonna have different aspects of say Paul and Barnabas in a relationship. Uh, or Barnabas and, and Timothy, for example, there's there's a guy that I meet with about twice a month um, who's a pastor uh, about 30 minutes up the road from me, and and I definitely see him as kind of this mentor, this this Paul type figure in my life. But when we get together, we're not sitting there talking about you know exegeting text and and you know catechesis and you know, Bible drills or whatever, you know, you might think of in somebody that's trying to develop you, um, spiritually. Uh, but a lot of our conversation just centers around where we are in life. And yeah, he's ahead of us, ahead of me in life, but there are points where our life situations overlap and we can kind of pour into each other in in that kind of way. And so, I just kind of that was going through my head um as as Bethany was talking but I think it's really important before we get too much further into talking about an episode on discipleship I think we really need to look at what does that even mean what does the word disciple mean so I think when most people try to define the word disciple I know for me, the words that come up first are follower and student. And and that's not wrong, but it, it, it's an incomplete picture. 
So our idea of, of the student-teacher relationship has kind of a certain connotation because of our experiences. We think of a teacher at the front of a room with a bunch of students and desks. The teacher's lecturing, and then after an hour or so, everybody goes their own separate ways, and that's the relationship. But, but that isn't the thought behind discipleship. There's also this connotation behind the word follower. Typically, when I think of, of the word follow being used in today, it usually has to do with someone following a certain political party, following a TV show, or, or following a sports team. We, we really like them, but they have no idea that we even exist. And, and this also is not the idea behind discipleship. So I think to really get an idea, we need to look at the context of, of what does the first century understanding of discipleship really mean. So I really like history, so I'm going to try to, to, to bunch this into a nice little two-minute package. Going to hold you to that. All right. Start the timer. Here we go. So in the Jewish education system, there are basically three levels. So... The first level, all Jewish children went to school up until they were about 12. And during this point of their education, they would memorize the Pentateuch, or, or the first five books of the Bible. Um, just imagine a 12-year-old today knowing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy by heart. That That's crazy. Um, and... And at the end of this this point in their education, most kids would go home. The girls would go home to learn housework and, and, and work around the, the family land um, from their mothers. The boys would go home and learn the family trade from their fathers. But the very, very best of the boys would continue on their education for another couple of years till they were about 14 or so. And during this time, they would memorize what we know as the rest of the Old Testament. And when they'd finally finished this, they would have the opportunity to try to earn a spot as one of a rabbi's disciples. They would go up to a, to a rabbi and, and ask him to be one of their disciples. And he would, at this point, grill them. And if, even if they answered everything right, but he didn't think they had what it takes, he would send them home to learn their father's trade. The very few that were actually selected to be a disciple would leave their families and, and everything they were attached to and attach themselves to their rabbi and their rabbi alone. They would learn to emulate their rabbi in everything he did and everything he said, down to how he interpreted the scripture and even the cadences and how he spoke. And so they would follow him everywhere. And in, in, in a dry desert setting, there was this old Jewish blessing that developed that, that went something like, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Because anything and everything the rabbi kicked up, they, the disciples were walking so close behind it ended up all over them. And, and honestly, to me, a functioning germaphobe, that sounds pretty terrifying so, so 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 that's a nutshell of of what 
would come to mind um, to a first century listener when they heard the word disciple? You did that at about two and a half. Good job. Pretty close. <laughs> if I hadn't gone go. down some tangents. All right. So what David just gave us was a high level view of the cultural context of a disciple in the Bible or in Jesus's day. And early in Rob Bell's ministry, he goes into a lot more detail in a NUMA video titled Dust. Um, I think it's about 15 minutes long, but it's definitely worth checking out um, because it does go into a lot of the detail of just the cultural context and helps put it into a good perspective. Also, if you've got about an hour, check out John Mark Comer's Bridgetown Church podcast that's titled Preaching, not Preaching, sorry, (laughs) I can't read my own notes. It's titled Practicing the Way. So with this brief history and context in mind, we immediately see that Jesus' ministry starts to look different. He calls the rejects rather than letting the best of the best follow after or seek after him, hoping to gain his approval and a spot as his disciples. While the other rabbis were passing along what they were taught, adding their own insights into that, their own views and opinions of the scriptures, Jesus is bringing into a new light what the scriptures have to say. Another thing we see in Jesus's ministry is that it's more formational. It's not it's not just about making converts. It's not just about information transfer. It's about developing people. The focus of Jesus's disciple making process was never about the number of people he had behind him. If it was, he wouldn't have said things like pick up your cross and follow me or drink my blood and eat my body. It, it wasn't about numbers. It was about transformation of people and their relationship with God. Jesus has called us into the same role of discipleship, not because we're the best of the best, not because of anything we've done, but because in his love, he wants to see us transformed into his image and for us to lead others in that same transformation. And here's the thing. Here, here's Here's what's crazy about discipleship, or here's what's important about discipleship that we have to grasp, and it goes back to what we said about Paul and Timothy and Barnabas earlier. People, Jesus, pastors teach us, we go on and teach others, and it's this Second Timothy 2-2 idea that the people we teach are also meant to go and teach others. It's multiplication, it's not addition. The reason why this matters is that Jesus isn't the only one that could disciple us. The reason why it's important to talk about discipleship is because we're, we're all disciples of something. doesn't have to be Jesus. We're all disciples of something. The, and, and kind of the focus that we want to take this in is how can we focus our habits to make sure it's truly Jesus we're following? How can we focus our habits and our attention and everything about us to make sure that Jesus is our rabbi and that we're his disciple. In the the podcast episode mentioned above from John Mark Comer, Practicing the Way, he goes into great detail about this. Um, but for here, we, we want to borrow his three main goals of discipleship. So the first goal is be with Jesus. The second goal is become like Jesus. The third goal is to do what Jesus did. Those are the three main goals of discipleship to Jesus. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. The goal was never just to learn some stuff, 
make my life a little different. But but disciples grew up to be like their rabbi, and if our rabbi is Jesus, then our end goal is to be, become like him and do what he did. But to do that, we have to first be with Jesus. So what does it look like to to be with Jesus? So anyone who's been around church for a while, more likely than not, you've heard either a sermon or discussion on John 15. This is a passage that talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches. And we're all probably familiar with the phrase abide or remain in Jesus. That sounds all good. Um, and the metaphor of the plant is certainly catchy and makes a lot of sense on surface level, but it's really difficult, or at least I find it difficult to find how we can apply that to our lives practically. And the really tricky thing about abiding or remaining is that doing or striving for is counterproductive to the practice of abiding or resting in Jesus. To truly be with Jesus, you can't have an agenda. You can't make it into a checklist. Abiding is a state of being. I myself am a type A person and I think that's part of the reason why I find this so difficult. This predicament is really, really difficult for me to deal with. Every other goal or objective that I've ever had in life has been something I could actively pursue or there have been clear directions of what I needed to do in order to gain a sense of accomplishment. So what can we do? And I say do like with air quotes because I just spent a couple sentences talking about how it's not about doing. (laughs) But what... What are some steps that we can take now that can help foster this state of being that is abiding or remaining in Jesus? As I'm learning, to abide and to rest means to intentionally reorient my consciousness to a place of rest that is found in the constant presence of God around me. When we look at Jesus' disciples and even the disciples of other rabbis or teachers in his day, their entire lives revolved around where the rabbis were and what they were doing. So if we're to call ourselves disciples of Jesus, should our lives not look the same? Obviously, we don't have a physical person to follow around, but as we've discussed in previous episodes, we have been given the Holy Spirit as a guide and as our ever-present representation of God. Abiding in Jesus or remaining in Jesus is nothing more than maintaining our connection with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to coax change in our lives and lead us into action to further his kingdom. I think habits is a good word. What habits can help bring about a spirit-centered life? So I think one that that we could really start out at is is make time for, for practicing the spiritual disciplines. And these are things like scripture reading, memorization, and meditation, silence and solitude, prayer, fasting. We're planning on having a series on these in the near future to dive into these a little more deeply because we, we feel like these are incredibly important for abiding or, or being with Jesus. And I know these things kind of sound kind of intimidating, but, but basically, this is just a fancy way of saying habits that help us connect to the Holy Spirit in every moment of every day. So that's, that's what it means to, to be with Jesus. And so out of our being with Jesus, some things start to happen. 
the the John 15 passage that Bethany mentioned earlier says, "Abide in me, remain in me, and I will remain in you, and and I will produce much fruit in you through you." Kind of this idea of abiding and abounding; those two things go together. Um, it's not just about my personal relationship with Jesus. It's it's the things that happen because I have a personal relationship with Jesus. And those things in, in John Mark Comer's framework that we're kind of borrowing for this episode, again, are becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did. So let's talk about becoming like Jesus for a second. Our first reaction to hearing that it that one of the goals of discipleship is to become like Jesus. Our first reaction is probably, really? Become like like Jesus. Like fully God, fully man Jesus. Perfect Jesus. Never said a mumbling word Jesus. That Jesus, we're, we're supposed to become like him? And, and maybe we quote, you know, we, we do all these Bible verses. Maybe we quote Romans 3, no one's good, no one seeks God. Or maybe we go to Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all things. If that's what's inside me, how can I, sinful as I am, become like Jesus? But in the Bible, and even in those same books, Romans and Jeremiah, we see a movement from us being sinful, evil, whatever, to God taking us and filling us with his spirit and making us holy. If you've ever heard anybody talk about sanctification or being sanctified, that's what they're talking about. Jeremiah 17.9 says the heart's deceitful above all things, but later in Jeremiah we're told that we're going to be given a new heart. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. And it's an out of that new heart that, that we're able to become like Jesus. We can talk about becoming like Jesus from several different angles. Um, there's not just one way that we become like Jesus. So growing up in church, probably the most common way we're used to hearing about this is in terms of outward sins and good works. Jesus never sinned. We're called to live the same way. Jesus loved people through his actions towards them. We're called to do the same. But becoming like Jesus goes deeper than just our actions. The Holy Spirit can work in us to change us on the inside. How we think can change. How we respond to different situations can change. Maybe our first reaction to a particular situation is usually anger or frustration. The Holy Spirit can teach us to respond more patiently and lovingly. Maybe when we make mistakes, we tend to beat up on ourselves. The Holy Spirit can remind us that we're loved sons and daughters of God. And, and again, going back, growing up in church, we, we, we focus so much on outward sins and good works. Um, but, but the reality is we need to put that same emphasis on interchange because it's the interchange that makes those things possible. Uh, we, we don't just, we, we, we can't, you know, go back to that John 15 passage. Jesus says, um, abide in me, remain in me, because apart from me, you could do nothing. And so if we're just going and trying to stop sinning or do good works on our own, it's not going to happen, or at least not for very long. Um, it happens because of that interchange. 
we should pray for that and we should believe in that and we can experience that and and out of that we we become like Jesus not just on the inside but on the outside as well so kind of land the plane on on becoming like Jesus I think it'd be good to really look at like what what does it actually look like like how do we actually become like Jesus and I think what what Guy was just talking about what we have talked about throughout this entire episode abide in Jesus is fundamental to everything everything about discipleship um if we're not abiding in jesus then you know we're abiding in something else where else do we see becoming like jesus Um, we we really see this done well in community It, it it can't be done on our own we we need our church we need our small groups we need that intimate group of people near us. We need intimacy, honesty, openness. Um, life change happens best in these small groups. This inner change that, that Guy was talking about. Inner change, not interchange. So one aspect of, of what that would look like in, a commu- in community in, in kind of in a different realm of community is counseling. A lot of people have this misconception that counseling is only for people that have these extravagant problems. But honestly, we all have problems. And, and you really have no idea until you really dig deep into how much the brokenness of your past can affect you today. And counselors are trained and very good at this. They can help you wrestle through those things, and they can really open you up to overcome the roadblocks in your in your walk with Christ. Or as Guy put it earlier, throw gasoline on your discipleship. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just, just speaking from personal experience, like, there were things that I beat up on myself before that, you know, okay, why am I, why am I not doing this more? Why am I not doing this more? Why aren't I being a better disciple of Christ? Well, it was because I had all this baggage in the back that until I got rid of it or until I dealt with it and healed from it, like I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to be all that Jesus wanted me to be. And, and so that, that's why we're talking about it. That's why it's important. Right, right. Along these same lines of kind of digging in to 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 yourself um, and, and seeing where you really stand and and what is affecting you today, um, it's important to establish a, a baseline by taking taking an inventory of where you stand. Um, and so maybe a good way to start is to choose a Bible. So maybe a good way to start is to choose a passage from the Bible like the fruit of the Spirit and run through each one of them. So for example, the first one is love. Uh, Where is the Spirit drawing me into love? And where have I ignored Him in that? Second one is joy. Where is the Spirit's joy showing up in my life? And on the flip side, where am I 
keeping him from bringing his joy in. And you can go through each one of the, of the fruit of the Spirit and do that for each one and really assess where, where you stand. And rather than collecting these items in the inventory just based on how you're feeling right now, really think about examples, real-life examples from your past that way, rather than being hard on yourself today and where you're at this very second and thinking too much of yourself here and now, you can really get an idea of what areas you need to work on in the broader scope. And I think in the show notes, we'll include some other passages that you could use to do that. Some that are coming to mind are like Second Peter 1. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, we'll we'll include several more in the show notes. What we're really getting at here is being doers of the word, not just hearing or reading or seeing others live out the scriptures. Spectators of the word. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Not just being spectators of the word. So at some point, like we've got to put on our shoes and we have to start walking the walk. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work. Just meaning that he's the one who's going to give you the desire and the power to do whatever it is that pleases him or whatever it is that he's putting in front of you for you to do. So in looking at this, we see two things happening. First, God's working in us. We should never think that our work can happen apart from his work. They are one and the same. And second, we see that because God's working in us, we are called to put into effect that work, which he is calling us to do. So when we hear a sermon or go to a Bible study or read scriptures, find we can find one thing, just one. More than that, you're going to get overwhelmed. Start with one. Um, find one thing that you know you need to work on. So it's not a, oh, preacher talked about the Good Samaritan today, so I'm just going to keep my eyes open for people who I can help. That's not going to happen. We've all been in those kind of situations, and you might have the best of intentions and really believe that's what you're going to do. But Monday morning comes rolling around, and you're thinking about, okay, I've got to make sure I eat breakfast and get the kids to school and get to work on time, and then you get to work and you see your to-do list there. Like, good intentions aren't going to get it done. You need to come up with very practical examples or practical application points. So what we're getting at is bigger than just, oh, I'll keep an eye out for opportunities. Instead, it's coming away with the mindset of, oh, the preacher talked about a good Samaritan today, so I need to identify who a Samaritan is in my life. How can I love him or her in deeper ways on a regular basis? And again, that's just one example. This could pertain to any time you come away from teachings, whether that be from someone else or from the scriptures. So what we really need to do is we need to put into practice what is written in the word. And we're all pre- like preaching to all of us here. These were originally Absolutely. guys' thoughts that I've kind of adapted into my language and I'm now talking about with you. David's read over it and so guy actually put in here hashtag preaching to myself. Um, <laughs> which I said I wasn't gonna say because I don't 
I don't say hashtag. I am not a social media. I am Bethany. Um, the but social David, media. Right, right. But David chimed in and said, we need to change it to hashtag preaching to the choir. So I just say that to really drive home, like, we are not above this. We are right there in the trenches with you guys. Like, this is something that is a constant reminder to all of us as well. And, and one way to do it, so again, let's take the pressure just off of ourselves. Let's, we talked about community last episode. Let's, how can we do this in community? Who do you go to lunch with right after church? Make this a part of the conversation. You come out of church, you come out of your Bible study, you come out of whatever, and, and the first thing you talked about is it, when, you, when you get to lunch or when you get to wherever you go and is not the pressures of the next day, is not um, all those other things. It's, okay, what was your one takeaway from the day? What was your one takeaway from, from the sermon, from the service, from the study? Um, how, how are we going to put that into, into practice? How are we going to, what, what are we thinking about how to do that? And, and that way it's not, that way you've got accountability, but you're, at, you're also not, you know, maybe someone at the table's got a really good idea um, that, that you need to work on too. You know, we, we put our brains together and we get kind of a better idea of, of how to work this out. So be with Jesus, number one. Become like Jesus, number two. The end goal, those other things are important, but the end goal of all of these things is to do what Jesus did. I think part of where we end up in our churches so often is we we take these three things, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did, and we emphasize one over the other. So I've been in churches and, and groups where we really emphasize do what Jesus did, but we don't talk about the necessary work of being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus. I've also been in churches where we really emphasize be with Jesus. We just like to stay with Jesus, and we build our little tent with Jesus, and we don't really go outside of that tent. Disciples' goal, any disciple's goal, is to become like their teacher, to do what their teacher does. And so if Jesus is our teacher, if Jesus is our rabbi, then the end goal is to do what Jesus did. So, um, again, we're pulling a lot of this from, from some st- uh, sermons that John Mark Comer preached. We'll link to those in the show notes. But in one of those sermons, he outlined 10 things that Jesus did during his earthly ministry. And I'm going to list them off. I'm going to put them in the show notes as well. But, but the 10 things that Jesus does during his earthly ministry, you can kind of put them into these 10 categories. He preaches the gospel. He teaches the way, he heals the sick, he casts out demons, eats and drinks with people far from God, he does justice, peacemaking, he prays, he prophesies, and he stands up against religious and political corruption. Now, we we could have a separate podcast on every single one of those, so so we're not going to dig in too far into any one of those. But I think the big idea here is that when Jesus came, he came with a mission. And we are called to continue that mission. The world is desperate for the church. The world is desperate for the church doing the work of Jesus in the world. Look around you. and as We as disciples of Jesus are called to pick up that mantle and keep it going. 
And again, this is one of those moments where we want to go, hey, we're not Jesus. How can we do what Jesus did? Jesus himself said we would do greater works than him. We're, we're called to continue the mission that he laid out. So how do we do that? Couple, just a couple ideas. Um, pick one of those things from the list, from that list. Again, we're going to put it in the show notes. Or heck, I mean, do this for all of them. Pray about how you could start doing that on a regular basis. Pray for Jesus to teach you what that looks like. Um, there's this moment where it's after the transfiguration in, in Mark 9. Jesus and Peter, James, and John come down the mountain. And when they come down the mountain after the transfiguration, uh, they, they end up in kind of the middle of an argument. When they get back down the mountain, they find that the other nine disciples are in an argument with some other people. And, and Jesus asks, you know, hey, what's going on? What are you all arguing about? And this father comes and he says, I brought my son to your disciples for them to cast this demon out of him. And there's this whole interchange, but, but basically what we learn is that, again, he brought him, he brought this guy, brought his son to the disciples to, for them to heal him, and they couldn't. And at the end of the story, Jesus ends up healing uh, this boy. He casts out the demon, and the disciples come up and ask him, why couldn't we do that? And if you read your Bible, um, it'll say in there <laughs> that this type only comes out by prayer but there will be a little footnote there. Go down, read the footnote, and you'll say that some manuscripts don't just say it'll come out by prayer. It says it'll come out by prayer and by fasting. There's a difference there. If it's prayer, then we could say, okay, demon, come out of this boy. Oh, it didn't work. Okay, let me pray. Okay, dear Jesus, help us get this demon out of this boy. Demon, come out of this boy. (laughs) It's something you could do on the spot. I see you have a lot of experience in the exorcisms. (laughs) (laughs) Prayer is something you could do on the spot. Fasting is not something you could do on the spot, right? And, and prayer and fasting are both kind of this discipline that, that become a part of us that, that teach us our utter dependence on Jesus. These 10 things, we're not going to be able to go out and do them on the, in the world on our own. I feel like that's the thing that keeps coming up in, in this episode. We need to pray. We need to fast. We need to seek Jesus. And we need to answer his call as he leads us into doing those things. Absolutely. I, I think it's it's really easy when, when we say pray for this or pray for that, for, for two things to happen. Either just to just talk the entire time in the prayer, like Guy's example, dear Jesus, help me uh, cast out this demon. Demon come out of this man or, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> or, or two... In kind of that same vein, treat it like a checklist item. Okay, I've prayed for it, so now it's gonna work, right? Okay, good. Here we go. Um, and 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 that misses the point. I I, I think it's very important uh, to pray for these things specifically, absolutely. But like we said in the Holy Spirit or bust episode, <laughs> when we pray, it, it's. It's just as important, maybe even more important, to listen. And not just in that time where you're sitting there with your eyes closed and in whatever environment you're at, but as you're going to keep your eyes and your ears open 
to see where God may be calling you alongside of him into the work that he's doing. But before before we wrap everything up, I, I think it's, it's really important to note that discipleship is an ongoing process. And I know we've talked about that throughout this. Um, Jesus didn't send the 12 disciples out the very first day that he called them to go and heal a bunch of people. There was a training time in there. And then he brought them back and he kind of coached them up and then he would send them out again later. If all this is new to you, I say sit and abide for a while in, in the abide for Jesus. Discover for yourself what that really means. If, if you're completely lost in that, uh, er, in an earlier episode uh, in the recommendation station, I recommended The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Maybe start there. And also keep your eyes open for a, a, a solid... Paul in your life, a mentor, someone further ahead of you that is aware of their theology, knows what they believe. But again, I want to reiterate, as much as I say sit and abide if you're new, the idea is not to stay in abide. The idea is to mature and to be transformed to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did and to lead others in that same way. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> hey, guys, what's that sound? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Here comes a train. Pulling into the station. What station? I don't know. What, what station is it, guy? <laughs> I think it's the recommendation station. <laughs> <laughs> that was... The worst recommendation station lead up that we've ever done, but we are keeping it. Of course. Uh, we, just so you know, we think that's as ridiculous as you do. So, but that's why we that. love it. So, except for Bethany. <laughs> I just want to go to bed. <laughs> okay, my my recommendation for this week. The after. After we said his name so many times this episode, it, it feels kind of redundant, but uh, John Mark Comer is a pastor out in uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, and he's at a church called Bridgetown Church, and we've recommended his podcast before, the, the his podcast of sermons before, but they are currently in a series that, if you couldn't tell, shaped a lot of what we said um, tonight, and... Um, the, the series is called Practicing the Way, um, and so what they do is they kind of, he starts off kind of like what we did, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. Then he takes a whole sermon to expound on those ideas. So there's a whole sermon on be with Jesus. There's a whole sermon on become like Jesus, a whole sermon on do what Jesus did. And then um, he's, he's kind of in kind of another part of that series where he's kind of working through some some extra ideas so if there's anything that that this podcast kind of piqued your interest in that maybe you have answer uh, questions that that need answered go go check those sermons out because they are they've really kind of reshaped the way I've, I've been thinking about how I need to be uh, pursuing my own discipleship of Jesus so that's that's my recommendation for this week So my recommendation is completely off topic, Um, (laughs) 
Oh, we were getting ready to record. We were reminiscing about our early podcast days, which really so wasn't long that ago. long ago. I know, yeah, right? Like two months ago. Um, I really, really hope that you guys have noticed a difference in our like, focus and in our content. And, and if you haven't, please let us know. <laughs> Please. Yes, please, <laughs> because we've been working really hard, and one way that this has become evident is we've started working off of Google Docs, which is my recommendation. Google Docs is amazing. Um, I mean, I had that opinion before. I haven't re- recommended Google Docs before, have I? No, you haven't. Because that, cause that sounds like something I would do. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I really, really love Google Docs. They make everything so much easier. Um, but just fun fact, when we first started doing these podcasts, each of us had like our own little notepad where we were writing down bullet points for our own sections that we knew we were going to be talking about. And that's why it seems so scattered and kind of off topic and how we got on rabbit trails really easily. And now we're so much more structured and it's all thanks to Google Docs. So, it is related to our podcast, not related to discipleship. I'm sure there are ways you could use it. Oh, you could definitely utilize it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Doodle, if you want to sponsor a podcast, I mean... We'd be okay with that. Yeah, come on. You are fundamental to our planning process. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, so that's my off-topic recommendation. There you go. It, it it definitely beats my handwritten notes because I would have about a line of of uh, legible notes, and then the rest of it was just lines on a paper to me. So it really <laughs> didn't work well for me. But I'm gonna go 180 back to where we were going with my uh, back to my um, recommendation. That's the word. Uh, I am recommending Discipleship Essentials, the subtitle, A Guide to Building Your Life in Christ. Uh, it is by Greg Ogden. And this is a, a tool um, to use in discipleship contexts. It, it really helps to kind of establish these habits that we talked about earlier on, um, especially uh uh, scripture memorization and, and, and biblical studies, or studying and, and, and really reading the scripture, as well as uh, helping to be a conduit for, for good community within the, the, the area of discipleship. So I, I highly recommend this book. It takes about a year to go through doing a section a week, and it covers a whole gamut of Uh, basic Christian beliefs and uh, habits. So check it out. So before we end the episode, we've got some exciting news. Um, For the last few weeks, we've been running a contest for for folks who would write us a a review on iTunes. uh, And the deadline was actually Thanksgiving. We had uh, four people write us uh, reviews on, on iTunes, and we're really appreciative to them. They were David Shoemaker, Chloe Weibel, uh, Tyler Patterson, and and my sister, Clara Wimberly. If you haven't written us a review, we would really love for you to. And and the reason why we're really pushing this is 
is because uh, ratings and reviews kind of factor into the algorithm that iTunes uses to put our podcasts in front of more people. So the more ratings and reviews we have, the better ratings and reviews we have, the more uh, people that, that get the podcast kind of pushed in front of them. Um, and, and hopefully that would translate into more people listening and, and really, really getting something out of the podcast. So that, that, that's why we had the contest and that's why we would still love for you to write us a rating and review. So that all being said, now time to announce the winners. Uh, again, we had four people write us a review, and we only could give away two prizes. Uh, the book, Surprise the World by Michael Frost. That book is going to go to David Shoemaker. And then the album, Live at Harvest by Mark Swayze, that is going to go to Chloe Weibel. So congratulations to them. Everyone who wrote us a review is, is also going to receive uh, the other 99 sticker that can go on a laptop or a car or whatever. And that wraps up our show. Um, if you haven't already, go follow us on Facebook at the other 99 or uh, on Twitter and Instagram at, at the other 99 P-O-D, at the other 999 pod. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions uh, for things to talk about in the future, you can email us at uh, the other 99 podcast at gmail.com. Um, we hope you enjoyed uh, this episode, and we uh, hope you have a good couple weeks. Tune in again in two weeks to our next episode on mission. Thanks, guys. See you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.